So we're reading today from Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When people or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. It is great, isn't it, to be opening God's word together today. And I know that the masks are restrictive, but... 
Thankfully, the most important verse in this passage today is verse 9, where Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. So your ears are free to listen. Jesus calls us in this passage to really listen to him and to understand him. And understanding in Matthew's gospel means to respond in faith to his word. It's a very simple idea, but when Jesus said it, it was hard for people to hear and understand. Now, I know we only celebrated Jesus' birth a week and a half ago. We've sped up 30 years and jumped right into the middle of Matthew's gospel. And in the lead up to this chapter, Jesus has been getting a lot of attention. John the Baptist has told the people that Jesus is the king that they've been waiting for. And Jesus' teaching and miracles are confirming this for many of the Israelites. They're excited to be around him. They are looking to Jesus to bring in God's kingdom. And in their minds, what this means is getting the land back from the Romans and installing the true king. Their hope is in Jesus for a revolution, for the kingdom of heaven, God's rule to be established on earth once and for all. And they are right to hope in him because he was bringing in the kingdom of heaven. But in the chapter before we have uh, the one that we have today, some significant people have started to push back. Religious leaders have told Jesus off for healing someone on the Sabbath. And then Jesus' own biological family are starting to doubt him. They come outside to where he's teaching and they send word in to come out and see them. Jesus responds by staying put and sending this word to them. My biological, my family are the ones who are sitting here listening to me. Jesus is not behaving as they expected the Messiah to behave. He's not favouring the blood relatives or towing the line with the religious elite. So this chapter we have here, right at the start, it says, on that very same day, so on that very same day when the pushback is coming, Jesus goes out to the crowd that have gathered and followed him. So now would be a good time, don't you think, for Jesus to get them on side, to build his majority. The crowd is actually so large that he gets in the boat and goes out a little from the shore. It's like an amphitheatre. Everyone's on the shore and his voice will carry. But instead of persuading the crowds with speeches of victory or rallying them to join him in taking over Jerusalem, he starts to tell them parables. Funny little stories. Riddles with metaphors about daily life. Stories about tiny seeds, about plants and weeds. Stories about fishing about a treasure in a field, about a woman baking bread. Stories about hidden things, things that take time to grow, things that get mixed up and need to be separated. Jesus has stopped speaking plainly. The message of the kingdom is there, but it's obscured. They don't get it. And it's not just because he's speaking in metaphors, it's because the kingdom of heaven was coming in a way that was totally different to what they expected and the disciples are puzzled too see in verse 10 they say to Jesus why do you speak to the people in parables why don't you get to the point Jesus you're losing this crowd 
And Jesus says to them, I'm telling the parables so that they won't understand. Some of them won't and some of you will. That's the point. Verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I think these are really difficult words to accept. That the purpose of the parables is to draw some people closer and let go of others. And Jesus goes on more strongly. He says in verse 14 that in the people's not understanding the work, he is, um, his word, he is doing um, the work of Isaiah in the Old Testament. It's being fulfilled right in that moment. Because when Isaiah declared God's word to the people, it drove them further away from God. It brought them judgment and not salvation. Jesus actually quotes from Isaiah chapter 6 here. He says, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused, he says. It's like their hearts are covered in a thick layer of dead skin, impenetrable. It's gross, right? They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. In the Old Testament, God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land and the people loved the goodness of God. They enjoyed all the benefits of their rescue, but they didn't obey God. They didn't worship him with their whole hearts They were selfish. They didn't bless other nations with the grace they'd received as they were supposed to. They were in God's kingdom here on earth, but they ruled themselves. And the more they heard God's word to repent and obey, the harder their hearts became. That's what's going on. And Jesus' teaching has the same effect on people in the Gospels, especially as he speaks these little parables about the kingdom coming. They divide the crowd because they don't add up to the vision that people had for God's rule to come. They wanted everything here and now. But Jesus is saying, that's not how it works. Look at how it works. It's like this. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come like an earthly kingdom with power and might, but with weakness and in secrecy. The revolution that needed to take place was not a political coup, but a transformation of human hearts. Speaking about God's judgment is hard to do, I'm telling you, and it makes us uneasy, doesn't it? But there it is from Jesus' own mouth. And honestly, I think it's uncomfortable for anyone to hear because when we examine our own hearts in comparison to what we see in the the people in the Bible, I think we have to admit that just like them, we also prefer to receive God's goodness on our own terms. I know that my own heart so easily inclines towards my own needs and desires before those of other people. Working for my own agenda and ignoring what God has to say is the sinful nature at play in us. Hard hearts, dull ears and eyes, they belong to everyone. And it's hard to hear. 
But even though Jesus' words reveal our sinful hearts and God's judgment, it's not the whole picture because God is also merciful. And the hint of mercy that we see in this passage is that that small group of disciples are already starting to listen, aren't they? The kingdom is starting to come in them. They know Jesus. They've been listening to him. And they're even asking questions, sometimes really dumb questions, but questions anyway. They're still a bit dull. But Jesus takes them aside here and explains the parables to them so that they'll understand The kingdom comes through listening and understanding Jesus' word. Verse 16, blessed are your eyes, he says to them, because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. They see and they hear Jesus. They have what people have been longing for. They have Jesus with them. And here the revolution begins. And this is how it happens. Jesus, the King of Heaven, takes his throne on the cross. His death satisfies God's judgment on us all. When he dies and is buried, it's like he's a seed sown in the ground. And when he rises to life... Our dull eyes and ears can see and hear again and his Holy Spirit comes to transform our calloused hearts into soft ones that can receive his word and flourish. Now the disciples in this story were transformed after Jesus' death and resurrection. They're a bit dull here, but when the Holy Spirit's come, they become bold witnesses to this word of God, this story about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven grows as they, as they share the gospel and it multiplies. This is the same message that's come to us all these years later that's been passed on as the kingdom is growing in people's hearts. And even Matthew writing it down here, this explanation to the disciples is a sign to us of God's grace. We get to listen too to the explanation of Jesus. Well, I don't need to explain it too much to you because Jesus has, but we are going to have a little look at the actual story, the parable, and uh, some of the warnings and encouragements that are there for us even today. So the sower sows the seed. And it's not like us in our little urban plots, putting each one carefully in and making sure we don't waste a single one, sharing the seedlings out amongst us, which is a beautiful thing, by the way. But in those days on a big plot of land, you scatter the seed. Or you have a bag with a hole in it behind you and the seed just comes out and it lands where it will. And it lands in different places. And in the story, only one quarter of the seed actually flourishes and becomes fruitful. It's quite a low strike rate, I reckon. The rest is either devoured by birds, shrivels up in the sun, or gets choked by thorns. And Jesus says, this is what happens when the word of God goes out to people. Some seed lands on the path, the word. It's like people hearing the message about Jesus and dismissing it straight away. It goes nowhere near their hearts. The birds that swoop in and devour the seed, Jesus says, is the work of the evil one or Satan. It's not just the person rejecting it. There's something actually spiritual happening. 
You know, sometimes when I talk to Christian friends about where I live and doing ministry in the inner north of Melbourne, I get this response, oh, that's hard ground to work. They're referencing this parable, aren't they? Are they right? I wonder if they're right that this is hard ground, that the word of God doesn't seem to penetrate. It falls on deaf ears. Well, if this is what's happening, then we don't need to feel rejected or irrelevant. What we do need to do is pray because it is God's spirit that softens hearts. We need to ask God to protect people from the spiritual work of Satan and ask for the Holy Spirit to open their ears and soften their hearts. We want to plant another church at the end of this year. Pray that God would be softening the ground ahead of us. And there's a warning for us here too, I think, because it's very possible to sit in a church for years or grow up as a Christian or even be an expert on the Bible, but for it all to live in our heads and never touch our hearts or shape our worldview or change the way we live and love other people. So you might want to check, how is it that you listen to God's word? We don't want to sit at a distance. We don't want to be people who are listening purely intellectually or critically. Keep asking God to let his word touch your heart and bring you life. The next ground is the rocky ground, and Jesus emphasises this one. He gives, there's two verses for this one. I think it's because that's what the crowd he was dealing with were like. He says in verse 5, It falls on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Three times he says, shallow, shallow, shallow. This crowd is excited about Jesus, but it doesn't last. They lack depth. Verse 21, he says, When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. And so they did. When Jesus goes to the cross, he is all alone. He was not the Messiah they were looking for after all. And in a way, this still happens today, I think. Sometimes people hear that God loves them that Jesus has paid the price for them even, and they jump right in. But they haven't counted the cost. What will it look like to belong to Jesus and to obey him? So when life's troubles come or faith is ridiculed or obedience is difficult, they give up. We don't want this to happen to us. (laughs) Let's continue to consider what God's word says about suffering and the Christian life. Ask God to help us to persevere. And pray for those who really are suffering for their faith. There are people around the world who are in jail or in fear of their life because they belong to Jesus. Pray that they would persevere. Now there's the plants that are choked by thorns, the third ones. And I think this is a big one for churches in the West. Jesus says in verse 22, The ones who are deceived that's choked by thorns is like someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. Jesus points to wealth often as an obstacle to faith. And for sure, we have been formed by a culture that values the money makers and people with status. And if we care about those things too much, our faith will take a back seat. Money and status in this world have nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven, if you think about it. They're obstacles that stifle our spiritual growth. 
but not just wealth. When you think, I've been thinking about this, we have also been formed by a culture with many competing voices and ideologies, haven't we? These are other things that grow up alongside us. We've got so much information and commentary on anything and everything right at our fingertips. We're constantly distracted by things big and small and the arguments going on around us in the culture. Some of this we can affirm. It matches up with the good values of the gospel. But some of it doesn't and we need to learn to critique the influences around us. Even the best thinking about what makes a good society out there will not be able to transform human hearts like the word of Jesus. I'm going to give you an example. Let's think about feminism. Feminism has contributed so much good to our culture. I've been reading a book called The Bible in Australia by Meredith Lake, which is a fantastic book. You should, I recommend you read it. But I'm reminded as I read it that so many good social justice initiatives in our country began with people where the word had really taken root in their heart. And the first suffragettes were women who understood from the Bible that men and women were created equal and that a good society will be one where men and women are both heard and have the vote. Right. This is good, good stuff. But no matter how right the thinking is in feminist ideology, on its own, it cannot change the root of the problem. And that's what's going on in our hearts. That's why it's so devastating after all the talk and all the work that in the past year of COVID, family violence has escalated dramatically. Even though we're talking about it more, even though we're creating programs in, this, in um, our communities and solutions of a kind, it's not transforming people's hearts so that we know how to love each other. So while we can affirm much there, we also need to recognise the shortfall. We need Jesus and we need to bring the grace of God into our society. So it's important that the church engage with the ideas in the culture, affirming what we can, critiquing what we must, and making sure it's God's voice that is speaking the loudest to us here. To do this well, we need to keep reading the Bible, to keep listening to God's word and being shaped by it. And we need to be ready to speak God's word into other people's lives as well and add his voice to the cultural dialogue. And when this is going on, by God's grace, we will be that fourth soil, the good soil. Our ears will be attentively listening and our hearts, softened by his grace, will become a place where the word settles in and becomes very fruitful. Yep, three quarters of the seed that is scattered fails to grow. But look what happens when the seed does land in the good soil. In verse 8, the seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. What looked like a small yield multiplied again and again and it goes on. God's word doesn't fail. When we receive Jesus as our king, our saviour king, his spirit will be at work in us and the harvest will continue. How will we know it's happening? We will grow in joyful and radical obedience to God. 
will be persevering in faith when life is difficult and will bear with one another and our burdens. Our hearts will start to incline towards others, all kinds of people similar and different to us, and will extend God's mercy and his saving word to others, remembering that it's only by grace that we first came into his kingdom. And finally, we'll be praying a lot because we know we must rely on God to continue that work that he's begun in us. So we're going to do that now. I'm actually just going to give you a moment to pause. I know I've said a lot of things. It's a very rich parable. And, but maybe there's something that's come to you as I've been talking that jumped out at you and you just want to sit with, it, with God for a moment. So I'll let you do that. Ask God to make it real in your heart, to make it fruitful. And then I'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are perfect in your justice and so abundant in mercy. And we give you thanks. We thank you that you have not been silent with us, but you have spoken and you've given us your own son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, King of heaven, we praise your name and thank you for your death on the cross for us and rising to new life. Give us a better grasp on what it is to live this wonderful life under your rule. Shape us, shape our church, to really be people of grace and love in our community, sharing your word with others. Amen.